Welcome to the League of Learning Wild Rift podcast. Here we are looking to help new players grow their knowledge and continue improving in the game. We have a sponsor. Their name is Beardfish Gaming. They sell magic and Pokemon on TCGplayer.com. So if you want to support the podcast, feel free to buy cards from Beardfish Gaming or Beardfish Direct on TCGplayer.com. We also have some social medias you can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handles are all Learn Wild Rift or at Learn Wild Rift. So feel free to look us up there. If you have any questions or things you'd like to let us know about our podcast and how we can improve it, you can email us at learnwildrift at gmail.com. We also have a Reddit that's r slash learnwildrift, and we have a Discord and YouTube as well. So feel free to follow us on there. We're trying to grow all these communities, so every person matters, and we are looking forward to meeting all of you. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. How's everybody doing? That being said, I'm Antonio slash Hispanic Link. I'm one of your hosts for today. Sound off who we got here for today. It's me. I'm back. <gasps> who is that? Is that our boy? It's Cannon. Is that our, our beloved baby boy, Ryan? Oh my God. It's me. I'm back. He's back. Been a couple of weeks, but here I am. Oh, I'm so glad. Back from his two-week vacation. The triumphant return of Ryan. Triumphant indeed. All right, so we got Ryan. We got, who was that just talking just now? It's still D-Cleave. It's still D-Cleave! Still doing D-Cleave things. Our favorite host. Still still not playing Wild Rift. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, today we are missing out on our favorite host with the most, Emily. She's not here with us today, which makes you, Dave, based on our extensive market research, the most popular host of the day today, as you are our second most popular host. I still want to see this research because I don't believe you. Um, unfortunately, it's hidden. Unfortunately, it's hidden. Yeah. It's extensive market research. Ryan and I can't show you the numbers because it's in like some really difficult parts of the internet to reach. And unfortunately, it's just you wouldn't understand it. Uh... I don't even know where I'd begin to explain where to find this information. So, you know. Uh... Can't be found on Google. That's for sure. It's legit. Trust us. Yeah, trust us. Anyway, we have we have a special guest today. Yeah, who's our, who's that special guest that's hiding in that fourth frame? Hello, I'm Abe, or you'll lose in the game. Oh, that's messed up. I just lost the game. Oh, how could you do that? All right, it's been a good run. Uh, that's, <laughs> this is my last episode. <laughs> After a two-week vacation, Ryan is now taking a two-forever vacation. Yep. All right, but yeah, you lose is one of our good buddies that we mention a decent amount in the podcast, and we play a de- a, lo- a lot with. We play a lot with our good friend, you lose. It's funny 
I literally, I've never said your name out loud. Out loud, I, I just got it. That's 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 hilarious. Yep. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I'm glad. It's a good one. I hate you. I was like, I don't know, is it Abe like Christmas or some shit? Like. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an association with Abe's name from Iron Man Two, where right after they get done beating the crap out of the bad guy who makes his own Iron Man suit or whatever and all the drones. He ends up, like, the bombs start turning on and he says, you loose. And I always imagine that's what Abe's name is pronounced like is the way that guy says it. How can you forget a villain name like Whiplash? Come on. Whiplash? Ooh, that's a good that's a good villain name. I like it a lot. Honestly, I would compliment your memory for remembering it, so... And yeah, most people know him by like his his real name. Was uh, Ivan uh, Ivan Vanko? Yes, it is Ivan Vanko. That's fair. Okay, we've introduced everybody. So, does anyone have any exciting updates on their playtime recently in the app? Everyone <laughs> <Dive around> once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead, guys. Dive right in. All right, so Ryan, you haven't been here in two weeks, so people don't know. People don't know about about the run. Oh, about the run. Oh, man, it's been so long at this point, but yeah. When The last time you talked about it, your record was nine and a half minutes. Yeah. Last time I was here, we talked about the speedrunning thing. That's been pretty cool. I broke my record. Uh, the nine and a half minutes that I said was really hard to beat. <clears throat> I, I clocked in at a cool seven minutes. Flat. <laughs> Flat. I have video proof because otherwise these guys wouldn't believe me. They, they still don't after having seen the video. Uh, <laughs> um, and I still don't believe it because it's basically been impossible to replicate. Um, but yeah, so it mentions a new record. I don't think you ever will replicate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the stars kind of aligned. Seven minutes is incredible. For reference, we all like consciously tried to make a speed run out of this with four of us and we accomplished this in six minutes ten seconds and we had to get help from the fifth person they also had to be on board <laughs> everything kind of aligned like i got a herald at a really nice timing and the boss just kind of decided to push with me instead of against me got some herald charges against the nexus and, and walked it in pretty good kaisa very strong champion Ryan was like, I think Kaisa might be pretty good at these speed runs. And within the first, like, two tries or whatever, gets a seven-minute earth-shattering record. Like, it's ridiculous. It was a lot longer than, it was a lot more than two attempts, but yeah, it was pretty quick after. It was like the next day. Oh my god. (laughs) So frustrating. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I've, I've kind of taken a break from it because, like, I, it just, seven minutes is so hard to- How could you not? (laughs) <laughs> i've been playing some other games well i haven't been playing much of anything re- recently just kind of been uh resting my hands from because <laughs> they were so on fire anyone else been playing antonio you've been playing i have been playing i've been playing a little bit more mid recently instead of just jungle i've had a ton of jungle games as well so don't think i'm off the jungle train i still have more jungle than mid games but i've been i've been branching out a little bit okay branching out to mid and support what I'm hearing is that when, when jungle gets too hard, you bail to mid lane. Oh my goodness, here we go. I'm almost at D2. You leave me alone. I've been working <laughs> hard. But I've been playing a lot of action mid, and I've been playing a lot of like luck support, Nami support, Alistair support, 
trying to think if there's anybody else I really play in support. It's pretty much just those three champs. But I've been I've been trying to branch out and figure out some different things, you know. And I think it's been going really good. And I also have been learning about early game items and how you can kind of shake some things up. But we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. But I think uh, I think I want to thank my friend Agressio because in the game. I was struggling to fight against a like Soraka or something in lane. And I'm like, man, it feels like I just can't deal any damage to him. And it's because they, the first item they bought was a cloth armor. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and that put me on a whole train of like figuring out how to better buy early game items to make your opponents less effective against you. But we'll get into that a little later. So that's, that's my exciting update for today is I have yet again, broken through the veil of League of Legends secrecy and ascended to yet another level of ultimate knowledge in this game. Did you guys know that the items actually do things? They're not just stuff to spend your gold on. Hold on a minute. <laughs> items, they do what now? They they actually have abilities? Oh my goodness. So it turns out the sum of the parts do equal the whole, but the parts also have things that they equal. <laughs> and some of them can be pretty relevant. Lines of text are broken. Yeah. Okay. Dave, do you have any exciting games you've played recently? I think I saw you play a couple actual League of Legends PC games. Were they ARAMs or actual games? No, no. So I, I, I basically only play ARAMs, but I did branch out and play a couple of normals. Whoa. And I was quickly reminded why I do not play normals. <laughs> why don't you play normal, Dave? <laughs> Uh, well, the first game I I forgot that I had um, I had unmuted my team. Oh, because like like one of the people on my team was like was like spamming his uh, his dance or whatever. So I'm like I, I was spamming my my dance back or whatever. So I'm like you know cool skin or whatever. And he's like oh thanks bro. Oh, that's a sweet interaction. Uh, so I, I forgot to mute it afterward. And, um, yeah. And you got some not-so-friendly uh, messages pop into your chat afterwards? We got we got some people who who don't, who can't read, <clears throat> trying to tell me that we're losing them the game. Reading is hard, Dave. As evidenced by the fact that I just play the game without reading any of the things. Yeah. As it turns out, when you are the mid laner... And you kill the enemy support who has a 1,000 gold bounty on them somehow. And by somehow, I mean your bot lane is 0-16. Yikes. That is you intentionally trying to lose the game. How so? Is it killing somebody with a bounty on them good? Because this person's a fucking moron. Mm. This person was playing top lane Garen. That seems correct. And built... What is this? He built first at a mortal reminder. That's horrible on Garen. Not only is it horrible on Garen, but they nerfed Grievous Wounds to the point where it's unfucking viable, and you should never buy it. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Yes, we did have this. We did have this discussion. So I, I kindly asked him, "Have you noticed that perhaps you notice how Grievous Wounds used to be forty percent, and it's now twenty percent? So it does almost nothing." It's like. I don't care, it's still good. I'm going to buy it first. You're a moron. You're why we're using the game. Okay. okay. 
Well, Dave, have you tried being better? Have you tried not being a moron? I don't know. Our bot lane was 0-16. He was 0-6 at the time. I was 5-0. So I recently loaded up a game of PC League, just a custom, just to just to, just to see what it's like. Just to feel it out? Yeah. And, like, God, my hands don't work. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> These chorizos, they don't function the way I want them to. I guarantee that your thumbs work, though. My thumbs? Mm, arguable. Not that your thumbs do anything in PC League, but your shift key, you can press the shit out of that key. Why are you playing? How on earth are you pressing shift with your thumb? Yeah, what kind of inverted ass keyboard are you typing on? <laughs> or not, no, or sorry, not shift. I meant the space bar. My bad. Space oh, okay, bar. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know why I said I, I don't know why the fuck I said shift. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even high. The, the fucking, dude, the, the, the battery finally ran out. I can't even get high. Dude, I thought you were talking about, like, with the heel of your thumb. Dave's over here turning his keyboard sideways so he can hit shift with his thumb. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is actually a thing that's come up. I've actually talked to people about where they put their hands on the keyboard, and there is, like, a rift. I bet having your hands on the keyboard is better than not. I agree there. Uh, Honestly, there's a lot of contestation there. But anyway, like, there there is a, a rift between, like, where people actually physically put their hands on the keyboard. Uh-huh. But, like, there is a camp where people say, like, well, your abilities are QWER, that's where you should put your four fingers, and you put your thumb, like, on, on Flash or on your spacebar or somewhere else. Uh, and there's some people that just play that way. Thumb on Flash? Ugh. I mean, so, that's... Well, th- they may not have Flash, like, bound to F or bound to D. They might have it, like, bound to, like, J or... I bet you tried to hit the, the fifth button on the Guitar Hero controller with your thumb, too, if you do that. <laughs> Maybe they do. Monsters. I was going to say, my thumb would probably accidentally hit something it wasn't supposed to, and then suddenly, <laughs> I'm SOL. <laughs> uh, I have my flash on D, but anyway. That's because you're wrong, but anyway. Um, oh my goodness. I can hit it faster. I, notice, notice how F doesn't start with D. It's not flash. <laughs> That's true. Well, at least he can spell. And you know what? We were just talking about it. Ryan's ahead of most of your teammates. He can read. He can spell. Yeah, it's reading, <laughs> reading not spelling. But anyway, so 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 the other camp, the camp that I am in, I have my pinky on shift, and then my uh, my ring finger on Q, my middle finger on W, my index finger on E, and then my thumb on uh, on the space bar. And then I just move my index finger to R when I need to use my ultimate. It's like you use your ultimate less often than your other abilities. That was my argument, but some people don't think that way. Unless you're quirky. Also, exactly for what you said, though, like people are going to have a million different ways they do it because you can just bind your abilities to whatever keys you want. Like you could just change it up. I prefer to use my face personally. Just, <laughs> just face roll across the keyboard. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good practice for motorboating. Get that stamina up. This is a family. This is a family-friendly podcast, good sir. I'll have you watch your fucking mouth. It literally is not. Hilariously enough, that actually reminds me of one of the very first league videos I ever saw on YouTube. Okay, it was not the motorboating thing. <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about, Dave? What could possibly go wrong here?" But go ahead. No, I meant the base planning thing. It was. Uh, it was just a video of a dude playing Darius, and he was leaning against the jacks. 
So the, Ryan knows what I'm talking about. He's probably seen this video. So the Jax walks up to him, starts autoing him. The guy literally walks, stands up, walks away off a of frame outside, uh, like out of frame, away from his keyboard, waits until the Jax gets him to like 200 HP, runs, jumps onto his keyboard, and the Jax dies. <laughs> That's how bad of a matchup it is of Jax versus Darius. That's how broken Darius was at the time. Yeah, this is oh a long time. Oh my god. Darius is still pretty good. Man, his Q is solid. I never realized how much you could heal until I pentakilled a team, and I was like, oof. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. His healing on his Q is re-eal. He didn't use to heal. Wow, that's crazy. Who, Darius? He used to do more damage. His, his, his bleed used to do more damage, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his bleed does a lot less damage than it used to. Draven also used to have a bleed. Yeah, Draven's autos used to bleed, too. Draven used to have bleed? Yep. That's broken. Sacky bleed. It was pretty disgusting. And his, uh, his axe autos used to do, like, twice as much damage as his normal autos. Wow, that's so much damage. He got, like, a BF sword's worth of damage at level 1. It was really dumb. That's ridiculous. The next section that we have, outside of our exciting updates on playtime in the app. Actually, you know what? We didn't ask Abe. Abe, what have you got for us? You got any exciting playtime updates that you had today? Or maybe any other day? Not, not just today. Yeah, uh, I've been... Spending most of my games as often as I can in the top lane with Renekton. That's been a pretty good learning experience being an early game bully and understanding how to mitigate the downsides for late game. That's cool. Late game, you are a stun bot. <laughs> did you just get up in the middle of the podcast? I did. I wanted to go get my pen. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, literally the other two hosts got up. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to see if I have a charger for this one. Is it micro USB or? So you were talking about what now, Abe, our good friend Abraham? No, I was just talking about how like Renekton, as an early game bully, drops off late game and learning how to mitigate that, largely through the use of Hullbreaker. Ryan hates Hullbreaker. Look at that disappointment in his face. Yeah, yeah. No, I, as soon as I said it, I saw him. <laughs> I think Hullbreaker is good, so I agree with you. Garbage item is garbage. Ha. Other than that, if uh, signed to good or support, I'll play Oriana. Um, just because I have so much fun playing with her, she feels a little underpowered lately, but she's just a lot of fun for me, and I've got enough play hours where I can probably make up for that. Abe loves playing with bulls. I like throwing my balls at other people, so they get to play with my balls too. That's an image. <laughs> I did find a charger. My headphones charge. The same way that the, the thing does, apparently. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, okay. Uh, also, on our addendum, I will be stepping in for Emily for how many team boosts we have, because I have a more gross number than her. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That's true, that's true. And you know what? We do want to give a shout out to our favorite host with the most, Emily. We miss you. We hope you have a wonderful, well-deserved two-week vacation. Away from Antonio. She's only going to be gone for about eight days, but yeah, she's going to enjoy her time in O Canada. And um, that's it. We're going to miss her. Uh, her team boosts are lower than they were the last time she talked about it, but we are going to go ahead and give her a chance to talk about it when she gets back in a couple weeks. So keep an eye out for that section of our podcast coming back. But Abe, without further ado, please tell us, how many team boosts do you have? 
Uh, I used three today, so I'm down to 81 team boosts. 81! It's pretty gross. That's so many! Did you know team boosts are just free value that Riot gives you to be able to get extra blue motes and experience at the end of any game for you and your teammates? Yes. As someone who has listened to the podcast, I have heard you say those exact words multiple times. It's true. It's true. And so this is just everybody's, you know, weekly reminder to use your team boost because you never know when you might need some extra value. We'll never use a team boost. Dave, do you, are there team boosts in PC League? Is that a thing? You can use RP to buy them. Well, okay, so so no, it's not it, it's not that there are, there are boosts in ARAM where you unlock a random skin for everybody and you get extra uh, the other currency that's not RP blue uh, blue essence or whatever the fuck it's called uh, for everybody. But it actually it tr- it ends up trolling me so much whenever somebody does it. Like I have my skin and everything selected, and then it will change to whatever random skin you're getting. And I'm like I don't want that fucking skin. Change it back. But whenever whenever somebody does the boost, they do it like a second before we go into game. So I'll get trolled. I'm like, I, I don't want this stupid skin. And yet now you have it. It's only for that game. You don't get to keep it. But also there's no like generic like give your team or yourself boost for this game for like extra XP or like whatever they give you. There are XP boosts. Only in ARAM. There's straight up XP boosts. Not for the whole team. No, but for you, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And what are they called, Ryan? What'd you call them? They're just XP boosts. <laughs> oh, they're just called experience boosts? Okay. Yeah, like, th- those things exist in normal league. Yeah. Yeah. And, you like, I got one today from uh, uh, from Prime Gaming or whatever. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yep. Not that it really matters, because I'm, le- I'm, le- I'm level 340. That's many. Braggy. That <laughs> old braggy Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's me, braggy. Speaking of braggy Dave, braggy Dave, please brag to us about any cool things coming up in PC League. Like, are there any good news or tournaments or what's what's new, Dave? Tell us what's new. I don't think anything changed. Nothing. Uh, uh, Belveth is available to be played in pro. Uh, I don't know if it has been played in pro. It probably has an LPL, but I don't know. I was going to say, there's some sort of splitzer tournament going on right now, right? Yeah, I mean, all the same ones uh, that we talked about last time. So uh, China has theirs going on. That's LPL. LCK is going on in Korea. Uh, LCS is the North American one. Uh, LEC is in Europe. Is there, is there still one in Taiwan, Ryan? I don't remember. I don't remember. Um... Or Vietnam. Is it Vietnam? Where's Taiwan? They they combined a few some leagues. Yeah, some of those like Southeast Asian leagues got combined. It's it's weird in that area. So okay, so there's LCS, there's there's Brazil, there's the big four. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a lot of the other ones that are like the wild card regions, basically. When it comes to like big tournaments. Yeah. So there. Let's see. Looks like we got uh, Brazil. We got LCL, which is Russian, like. Like Eastern European teams. Oh, I guess I'll see. I'll see. doesn't really exist anymore, does it? I don't know. Wasn't that like there was a like a Turkey league, wasn't there? That's where uh, where Broken Blade played for a while. There's an Oceanic league. There's a Japanese league. Latin America. There's the French league where Reckless is playing. TCL, I think it's called. No, he's playing in the. I think he's playing in the ERLs. Um, I guess it changed then. 
Yeah, he and there's PCS, which is the Pacific League, which is Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan. TCL, which is Turkey. Oh, that's what TCL is. Yeah, but yeah, there's whole. There, yeah, these are like these are the the quote unquote minor regions. And then there's there's like literally like do, like a dozen smaller European leagues that all feed into like the regional leagues. Yeah, so there's the four big ones that we mentioned: Korea, China, Europe, North America that all compete for two to three spots at Worlds. And then they fill in the rest of the brackets with these other minor regions through various uh, qualifiers. Okay. Sounds like a really fun time and a lot of entertainment for a lot of the fans to be able to watch. There's always League on, it sounds like. (laughs) Most of the time, yeah, there's something going on. Because Worlds ends up being in November most of the time. And then, like, that's the end of the season anyway and then we go into preseason in december in the beginning of january when riots like figuring their shit out and then like the big leagues start back up again i think in january for like their uh the spring split gotcha okay but like all the, all the major regions are are fully in swing at the moment the stuff's happening that's awesome have you seen any sweet or cool games like you just said um skt was it just lost their first match yeah, they got the 24, 24 wins in a row before they lost. I think they lost to Kwangdong Freaks, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Is that the longest concurrent record? Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Sure is. They beat their own record that they set a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's the longest domestic win streak. Because they, they went to MSI and lost uh, matches. Yeah. But in, in their home league, they, they won 24 in a row. Okay. Yep. That's pretty good. Pretty impressive, not going to lie. I'm impressed, at least. Yeah, I mean, Korea is one of the hardest leagues. So if you're going to do it anywhere, that's the most impressive place to do it, probably. Fair. Speaking of tournaments, Icons is actually in day two of the knockout stage. That just ended today, so day three is tomorrow. And there's four teams left, and we're at semifinals. The four teams left are Plus Phoenix, Nova Esports. It's also, oh no, it's J-Team, and it's Team Flash. Those are the, the four people right now. FPS has a big league team as well. They won Worlds two years ago. Whoa, that's awesome. So good on them for being able to put it down in two different sports. Just, I think it was two years ago, wasn't it, Ryan? Uh, I think it was like four years ago at this point. Ripped. Dude, COVID has me so fucked. Time is a construct. 2019, three years ago. It was 2018? Are you joking me? 2019. 2019, okay. I mean, okay, I was only a year off. Jesus. I mean, technically that's true for Ryan as well. Yep. 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 All right. Yep. 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 yep, yep. <laughs> Content. Content. All right. Let's get to. Oh my god. There. There you go. You have something to fill dead air now. Great. Yep. Yep. Great. That's just gonna go over our outro Wait, music. Wait, Antonio. Don't you hate when I do this? Oh my goodness. Uh. <laughs> That'll be fun to find. All right. So, you know, just forget it. I'm done. Good podcast, everybody. Packing it in. That's it. That's the episode. Pack it in. Pack it in. Let us begin. Pack it in. Pack it in.
Abe's like, I came here to help you, and now I didn't even get to talk about my topic. Ooh, what topic? What's the topic? If you look at the notes. Well, hold on. I don't want to. I don't want to leapfrog anything else. I've already leapfrogged one thing that we. Would we leapfrog? We accidentally leapfrog shoutouts, but I can cover that real quick now. I just want to give shoutouts to a couple of our new regions that are listening to us, and I'm sorry if any region gets a second shoutout that has already gotten a shoutout. No, I'm not. How dare you? Everybody's awesome. So every region that we've already shouted out, here's your second shoutout, so that way if I shout out a second time by accident another region, you don't feel left out. But anyways, thank you to our new listeners in Sweden, Japan, Panama, Cuba, Austria, and Hong Kong. Very cool. I really want that list to be longer so that you actually can just make it into the Animaniacs uh, nations of the world. Although some of those countries don't exist anymore, so frown down. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, okay. Now that we've gotten those shoutouts done, why don't we move on to the next topic we had? No. No leapfrogs. No leapfrogs. No Tom Kenshin. We're leapfrogging right back into the order, right? Tom Kench is a catfish, motherfucker. All right, no gromping. No <laughs> gromping. No gromping. Okay, so the next topic we have... I'm not sure what gromp is. The gromp, obviously. Our early game items. You did not just say that, Dave. I can't believe you just said that. What the fuck is a gromp? What's a razor beak? It's a fucking gromp, Dave. It's a fucking gromp. What is its genus and species? Uh, shut the fuck up, Picus. Gromp and Gromp. <laughs> Grompus, Grompus, Gromp. Grompus Maximus of the Grompus Grompanius tree. I refuse to acknowledge this. I hate everything. Native to the jungle. Today we learned Dave does not believe in the early game. So early game items. Alright, so early game items that can help you be stronger against your opponents. And so, let me get back into the app, because I was just there. There's all these items that you can buy for 500 uh, gold at the very beginning of the game. You got Longsword, which gives you extra attack damage. You got Dagger, which gives you attack speed. You got Brawler's Gloves, which gives you extra crit rate. You got some magic items, which I believe are Sapphire Crystal, which gives you more mana and more ability haste, or Amplifying Tome, which gives you more ability power. And then you got the defensive items. You get Ruby Crystal, which can give you plus 150 HP. You got Cloth Armor, which can give you plus 20 armor. And you got Null Magic Mantle, which can give you plus 20 MR. Also, for 400 gold, you can get Basic Boots, but that's the only basic boot type is just literally basic boots and then you can kind of upgrade them from there but just covering the early game items if you notice people in your lane or that your enemies have a lot of ad or ap on their team it might be worth investing in a cloth armor or a null magic mantle early so that way you can take less damage if you're worried about their team comp or like just basically your lane matchup and so you can kind of take early game items out of order. You don't have to build an item, like a basic item, that's for your first item you're trying to build. You can use 500 gold in the early game to get an early advantage that, that'll let you do things like farm safer or whatever. You what can deviate saying, from your build path. You don't need to build up the items in exactly the same order every time. Another good example of an item like this is Hexdrinker um, for uh, AD champion. The mid-tier one. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's like the second. It's like it builds out of a long sword and a and a null magic mantle. It's, so it's an, like an intermediate item, and it's really good. Even though like you might not want to upgrade it until it's upgraded item right away, 
or you know, or it, you know, it's not your one of your main items, but it's a really, really strong item against uh, magic dealers, magic damage dealers. So if you're an AD champion and there's two AP champions on the enemy team, that's a really strong buy because it just makes you a lot, a lot tankier while not necessarily compromising on your early game damage um, too much. Another great example of that is if the enemy team has a lot of AD, you can buy an early game Bramble Vest. And you don't necessarily need to buy a Thorn Mail, but buying the Bramble Vest will help you take a lot less damage. Personally, I think a better buy is like Warden's Mail. Um, it's, it's the same tier as Bramble Vest. I think, I, think, like, I think Bramble Vest is a really, really strong item. I just think Warden's Mail has, is stronger for the, for the cost, depending on the situation, right? Um, does Bramble Vest have Grievous Wounds and Wild Rift? It does. Okay, yeah. So that's pretty good. That's pretty strong. And it's 40% Grievous Wounds, not like the 20% that they just changed it to in League. So Grievous Wounds is still at full, quote-unquote, power in Wild Rift compared to PC League right now. Yeah, I, I just think that um, I think having the um, the reduced attack speed is really, really strong for Warden, you know. And something I wanted to tack on here is if you watch the pros very carefully, they will make decisions like this. They will build, you know, mid mid tier items and then go on to their next item after that. They'll build an early game, you know, basic level item and then kind of just leave it there, maybe sell it later in the game when they need an open item spot again. But the thing is, they'll deviate and they'll make a lot of decisions on the fly. And that's something that A, now I am aware of, B, something that I want to make other people aware of and get them thinking about and see something that I'm going to try and actively improve during my gameplay now. And so I wanted to encourage everyone now that we've told everyone in our earlier episodes to kind of like read your items, read your champions. Now you can start learning about build pathways, learning about champ types, and then learning how to better plan against different champion types and how to deviate from your path in advantageous ways. Also, I was mistaken. So Longsword and Null Magic Mantle is the build path for Hex Drinker and PC League. In Maldrift, it's just a Null Magic Mantle uh, and 700 gold. That's interesting. So you don't have to buy the second item. You can just buy the other item outright, and it quote-unquote buys the second item for you? Well, there, it just, there, there is no second item in, in Maldrift. It just is a Null Magic Mantle. <laughs> I thought... No, when I looked at Hex Drinker, I'm pretty sure I saw the build pathway. It's just Null Magic Mantle. Oh my god, you're right. It is. What the heck? So like Antonio was saying, it might be worth it, you know, just to invest in the early no magic mantle, especially because you can upgrade it into items like Hex Drinker. Uh, or, you know, if you're, if you're going even more defensive, you can upgrade it into a Spectre's Cal rather than a Hex Drinker. And this is actually a good point into segue how you can deviate on your normal boots pathway as well. So you can obviously buy basic boots now at 400 gold. And with 600 more gold, you can upgrade to one of five boots options. You can get the physical and magic vamp. You can get the movement speed. You can get the mercury treads or tenacity, which is good against specifically AP champions. You can get the plated steel caps or the extra armor on your boots, which are good against AD champions. Or you can get Ionian Boots of Lucidity, which are really good on Mage or Poke or Long Range Champions, which reduces your cooldowns overall. Also, don't don't forget that upgrading your boots also just gives you more flat movement speed, which is also pretty good. <laughs> oh, just straight up? Like, when you buy boots, you get more movement speed in general? Well, like, yeah, you get we get more movement speed when you buy the basic boots, which is kind of the point of the boots. But only when you press the button, or also just having the boots gives you more movement speed? Pretty sure just having them gives you slightly more movement speed. 
Yeah, it's just a static plus percent. Yeah, and then and then that static buff increases once you upgrade the boots. Wow, that's pretty good. Yes, you get more depending on what tier, depending on what tier they are. What do you mean by that, Dave? I mean, I, I was only half paying attention. Sorry, but yeah, like like no, like normal non upgraded boots in, in in Lee give you like plus ten speed or whatever, and then when you upgrade them to tier two, you get like tw- plus twenty speed. In Wild Rift, you get plus twenty and then plus forty. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, what, whatever the number is, it's it's more when you upgrade them. And then there's also the boost of boot to swiftness, which give you even more movement speed. And mobility boots, give, which give you even more movement speed. There are no movements in uh, Wild Rift, unfortunately. Well, in PC League there is, and that's my job. <laughs> and then Predator boots, that give you even more movement speed. So you can have up to four boot upgrades in PC League? No. No, 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 no. So, so, so what it is is, uh, so mo- mobility boots are a version, are are like Mercury treads or or plated steel caps. They're just they're one of those. They're just another option to upgrade your boots. Yeah. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. The idea behind those is they give you even more move speed than the boot to swiftness, but only out of combat, and they're pretty slow once you're in combat. So the comment I wanted to make earlier was that I do think it's actually intentional that in PC League, when you buy boots, it's lower move speeds than in Wild Drift. Because in Wild Drift, part of the whole experience is that they want these quote-unquote League of Legends games to go faster. And so, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) So to me, it makes sense. Well, it doesn't make sense because boots give more movement speed in PC League. (laughs) Well, Dave, I think, is right, though. I think it's less movement speed, right? Because Dave said it went up by 10. They give 20. I'm looking right at They give 25 and 45. They give more movement speed. Yeah, I didn't actually. I, I was oh. guessing at the numbers. I didn't actually look at us. Yeah. I just knew it was oh. more as, for, for Tier 2. Because the map is smaller? The map is smaller in Wild Rift. So maybe they need more move speed in League to compensate. Yep. I mean, everyone's also just faster in Wild Rift because you don't get the boost out of base like in on every back like you do in Wild Rift. That seems sus. It's like they want the games to go longer or something. It's not that they want the games to go longer. It's that the Wild Rift games are supposed to be shorter. <laughs> That's fair. They like they don't want the they don't want the, the PC games to take too long either. No. So I, I I did want to mention something about this this whole upgrading items uh, and like starter items thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I think something important is uh for items like like hex drinker or uh oblivion orb is another good one so there's there's obviously an investment cost to getting that level of the item and then another further investment cost to upgrading to the full item that it builds into so the idea is you have to figure out like is it even worth it to put that extra money in for the stats you're getting uh between the item you already have and then the full upgraded item and like this is a big point of contention that uh, this guy LS has, uh, with specifically with the items Oblivion Orb and Merlinomicon that it builds into, in that uh, the Oblivion Orb itself uh, gives uh, Grievous Wounds, and that's why you buy it. And then fully upgrading it to Merlinomicon, so it's eight hundred for the orb, and then I think it's an extra seventeen hundred to uh, turn it into its full item. But the stats that you get to turn it into the full item are just not worth it. You get, like, almost nothing. You get the same amount of Grievous Wounds and, like, a little extra AP, but that's it. 
not seventeen hundred gold worth of AP. So it's 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 another example is like I said, hex shrinker earlier. Like Mom Marmordius has been buffed to be more worth it to build, but for a long time it was like the point of building the hex shrinker was to get the lifeline passive, right? And the lifeline passive wasn't better in Mom Marmordius. If it was, it wasn't enough better to justify the upgrade. Like I said, they buffed the like the stats on it slightly in the last year or so. Um, I think they buffed the AD and lowered the combined costs, but Hex Drinker's, like, incredibly efficient, and so this kind of touches upon another concept in League, just called, like, gold efficiency, right? Like, how efficient is each item for... The stats that it gives. Yeah, for how much it costs and the stats it gives you, right? And so, you can kind of... So, like, a lot of people think Black Cleaver is one of the most efficient gold items for, like, what you pay into it versus what you get out, as, like, an example. Yeah. You could actually calculate it. Like, this, this is an actual calculatable thing. Gold efficiency is a calculatable stat. Interesting. It's actually in the wiki. Yep. So, let's see. If I were to go to the League of Legends wiki, which I don't use ever. I don't even know where I... Where is the search bar? That's because Ryan's our Google guy. Yep. I'm not using Google. I'm already... I have a... I have the wiki bookmark. I hear the longest scroll wheel of my life. <laughs> no, you're just... I just have a good mic and it's somewhat close to it. Don't worry. I'll have to edit it out. It's also like a... It's a pretty, it's, it's a pretty loud mic. Or a pretty loud scroll roll. Okay, here we go. Alright, Black Lever. They used to have this stat on here somewhere. Where the hell is it? Limited to one Black Lever. Heard. I liked its old icon better, too. Boomer League Dave. Everything was better earlier. Yeah, that's me, dude. What the hell is this? It used to be here. Oh, cost analysis. What? This is literally not here? Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Black Cuber's base stats are 106.72% gold efficient. Yeah, it literally says it like right here in the wiki. There's a section called cost analysis. Oh, okay. That's good to know. This is for League, not for uh, uh, Wild Rift, but like, there's going to be a similar thing, I would imagine. It's the same wiki. There's a, there should be a link on the page somewhere that says, look, look here's the Wild Rift version. Oh, that's cool. Have we figured out why people build Black Cleaver on Corky yet? <laughs> no, that still makes no sense. Well, I mean, his E stacks it, so... <laughs> well, yeah, but he does 80% magic damage. It's not for him. <laughs> I get that, but... Wait, what's not for him? I don't get it. Please explain it. The armor shred isn't for him. The Black, the black Cleaver passive isn't just doesn't just apply to you, it's a, it applies to your whole team, so he stacks it very efficiently so that the rest of his team can take advantage of it. And he's stacking what part of the Black Cleaver? The armor shred. It, he, 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 the idea is he shreds the enemy's armor with his E so that the 80 champions on his team have lower armor targets to attack. The issue that I have with that is that he has to be in range to E them, and his E is not very long range when Corky's a, Corky's a poke champion. Hold on. What? I have a whole other question here. What? Uh-huh. So you can build an item where it says you can lower the opponent's, like, armor, magic, resist, or whatever. And if yep. I proc it or hit them or whatever. Yep. My allies also are affected by their, like, armor reduction and magic resist reduction? Think about it, dude. It doesn't only apply to you. Yeah. Think about it. If you if you reduce a target's armor, right, why would only your attacks do more damage? Well, this just makes items way better than I thought they were. 
<laughs> like, like if in magic you you make a creature not in not in, uh, invulnerable anymore, right? Yeah. Or indestructible anymore? It's not indestructible for anyone anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy to think about. And his and to be clear, Corky's E, which is the ability we're talking about, that's where he flies up high, dashes forward, and drops three bombs. No, it's no, no, it's, no, 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 it's the Gatling. It's the Gatling gun. It's a little. It's a little. It's the cone thing. Wait, and so each time it touches the opponent, it redu- like shreds their armor. Yeah, it's a stack. Yeah, it's a stack. Yeah. What? <laughs> so Corky's the, Corky's ability actually does it already. And Black Cleaver, like, if you build Black Cleaver, it'll do both. It'll play both. Yeah, it double stacks. Because I think we talked about this. That, that ability already shreds their armor and armor. And then Cleaver further shreds it. Yeah. That's crazy. But again, that ability is not very long-ranged. Bro, we out in this podcast learning and shit? Like, this is wild. Rift. Like, I, I don't think it's a particularly good item on him, but I think it's justifiable. Well, you hate Hullbreaker, too, and obviously the pros don't agree with you there. Hullbreaker's a bad item because, at, like, after eight minutes, everyone just groups up and you just waste, like, you, like you waste the whole point of buying Hullbreaker. Like, we were playing Normals last week, and you bought Hullbreaker on set, and you were just following the team around the map. I'm like, why would you buy the item to just follow the team around the map? <laughs> it's true. It's true. That did happen. I remember that game. It's not. It does. It like it like it's worse than it's worse than have it like not having it because like you spend a bunch of gold on an item that you're not using. Let's fundamentally break that down real quick because we can we can do math on this. So I pull I pulled up Hullbreaker in the wiki. Okay. So Hullbreaker's base stats are 116 yep. and two thirds percent gold efficient. Okay. okay. What does that mean? It means that you get more stat, more stats out of the item uh, per gold than you should, basically. Okay, cool. Okay, so being over 100% is good. You want to be as, as above 100% as possible. Okay. So when no allied champions are nearby, mm-hmm. Hullbreaker is 130 to 218% gold efficient on melee champions. That's ridiculous! I mean, only if you don't have anything to compare it to. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. So, that only happens when there are no allied champions around. You, you, you can buy Black Heel Cleaver, which is the same amount of gold efficiency, and it helps your team, rather than doesn't help your team. <laughs> so, instead of that 130 to 218%, you get the 116, if you are near allied champions. That is why you do not group with this item. Yes. Like for comparison, Black Cleaver is about one hundred and fifteen percent gold efficient. Always, you have the same you have the same effectiveness and stats. Always, yeah, but well, not I mean always, right? But like it doesn't count the passive that you know your team can uh, can uh, can benefit from, right? Well, yeah, the, the, the item itself. We're talking about the item itself. Yeah, so you get the same amount of stats for the same amount of gold, right? But like one's like one is useless if you're grouped up with your team, and the other isn't. <laughs> Okay, all right. I guess you know what I've heard your argument. I think there are times and places where you can have a hole breaker and be effective, but I agree I, that I think hole breakers. It, it's a fine in a split push composition. It is just not when you're grouped. But like people really just don't know how to split push, right? And they just group up and they just waste. Like how, the the worst part is seeing two hole breakers 
grouped together. <laughs> Yo, when I see two hall breakers on a pro team, I'm like, they have no idea oh what they're God. doing. <laughs> like you, you could, you could just, you could, you could feasibly justify two hall breakers if you were doing like a one-three-one split, right? Like, and you were really like, but that's so dangerous to do a split that way. No, I mean no. It's it's a legitimate strategy that plenty of pro teams employ, right? And you, but you, but it, you have to do it right. You can't just, you know, uh, you can't just put one person in, in a lane and you, know, you know call it a day. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man, yeah, that's fair. Hole breaker, I think, is a fine item if you know what you're doing. The vast majority of players don't know what they're doing and are wasting their time by buying this item. Correct. Okay. Okay. I think that's fair. Lar- largely because they don't read it. Largely because I don't read it. I think a lot of people don't read their items, but that's a mix of personal experience and personal experience. Does it feel good to get that Hellbreaker rant out, Ryan? Yeah, dude, it's garbage item. (laughs) It's not bad. It's just not effective in the wrong hands. It's it's certainly very bad in big league now. Nobody nobody builds it in big league anymore. When I say it's a garbage item, I mean like when you take all scenarios, right, and you average it out among like how useful it is. It is less useful than not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. it like is less useful more often than not. <laughs> you know what I mean? The the scenarios in which it is both bought and correctly used are far outweighed by the times when it, when it is not bought correctly and not used correctly. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like <laughs> buying upgrading Morello. It's just like mostly wrong most of the time. <laughs> yeah, basically. But like, okay, so. The, the end of that rant is, like, once you buy the Oblivion Orb, you literally finish your other five items completely until you upgrade that item all the way. Really? Why? Because it's not worth the gold that you're putting into it. Like, you're, you're gaining so little from that 1,700 gold. Like, here, let me, I'll actually look it up. So, for example, in, um, in, in Wild Rift, it gives you 30, actually, Morella is actually pretty good in Wild Rift. Never mind. Because <laughs> you get... But you can talk about it from a PC League perspective. That's fine. Actually, I lied. Morello is 90% gold efficient. Morello sucks. <laughs> yeah, Mor- I mean, Morello is not... It's, I think it's at like a, a barely over 100. It's 110. Yeah. It's not really yeah. that great. But anyway, so so Ob- Oblivion Orb is... It's 800 gold. It gives you 35 ability power. And uh, dealing magic damage to enemy champions gives them 25% Grievous Wounds. And then... Morello is a 1700 gold upgrade. For that 1700 gold, you get 55 AP, 300 health, and a slight change to the passive in which the Grievous Wounds is increased to 40% if the target is at 50% of their less than 50% health. Yeah. Morello is way better than Wild Rift. It gives you 70 AP, 300 health, 40% Grievous Wounds, and then 60%. Oh yeah, it's the Grievous Wounds things that that makes it better. Yeah. So so you're basically paying seventeen hundred gold for a little bit more than a blasting wand, and a blasting wand is eight fifty. Yep. Yep. Nine hundred in Wild Rift, but still pretty close. So it's it just co- just cost wise, it's not worth it. Even that considered, like this is just a good exercise in getting people to like learn and recognize when they only need the mid-tier or the basic parts to find the success they're looking for. And so we just wanted to bring that to people's attention, especially as I'm learning something new. I wanted to make sure other people are learning right along with me. I mean, so, sometimes you don't even have to go that far. Like, 
especially in in really early game, like people aren't going to have magic pen. They're not going to have armor shred. They're not going to have uh, heal reduction. They're not going to have these things early game, right? So if you're playing against somebody, like if you're playing against an eighty carry or you're playing against an, like an eighty mid laner, and you buy even just a cloth armor, like that that reduces their damage by you know five to ten percent, and that's on every auto they do to you, and. and it reduces all the damage that minions do to you. It reduces everything. Like, it's a huge advantage. I am no longer a believer in Ruby Crystal after what I experienced. Like, 150 health, really, really good. But you know what else is really good? 20 armor, or 20 magic resist. Because that is good against every attack they give you, but once your 150 HP is gone, like, it's just gone. And so I think I might be a believer in buying the magic resist slash armor a little bit earlier as opposed to just buying, like, a health item or maybe, like, a long sword, depending on what you're trying to accomplish that game. Yeah, like, it depends, you know, like, a support. Um, if there's both physical and magic damage, they might want the Ruby Crystal, right? But if there's 280, yes. you know, down there, like, they got an AD and Pike or something, then you probably really want that cloth armor, right? They got an AP carry and, you know, like Seraphine and, and, uh, and Sona down there as a, as a, like a bot lane. Probably want to start with that null magic mantle, right? Not the Ruby crystal. So like we said, it's like highly contextual and dependent on like the, you know, what's actually going on in the game. And you need to analyze those things and adjust your build path as, you know, to, you know, to find success. Right. Because uh, if you just kind of say, I'm always going to build Ruby Crystal, or I'm always going to build uh, Cloth Armor, or I'm always going to build Null Magic Mantle, you know, there's going to be a solid percentage of games where you build the wrong thing, and you just get your, your booty beat, you know? <laughs> booty Blasted, a classic Double Duke Booty Blast. Yeah, classic. <laughs> so, so something also to be aware of is, like, if you do buy a Cloth Armor or uh, a Null Magic Mantle, Something to do to counter this kind of thing is to lane swap. So if an enemy is smart, or or let's say your enemy does this, right? Like if you're playing an AD champion and your laner buys a cloth armor against you, and you happen to notice that like a different laner buys a null magic mantle, you can then switch with that laner so that you're laning against the person with a null magic mantle when you're an AD champion so that their buy doesn't do anything. So another kind of example of this is beyond, like, just the basic items, you know, kind of deciding what uh, advance items to get, right? Like, if, they're, if their team is stacking a bunch of armor, probably want to get some armor penetration. <laughs> um, you know, and if they don't have a bunch of armor, uh, you probably don't want a bunch of armor penetration. You probably want more lethality. Yeah, this is a matter of, like, changing your build path, too. Yeah. There are some teams that just won't have tanks at all. Like, I've actually started looking at builds a lot more, and you'll notice yeah. that they're actually, like, there may be one tank, but there are some games where it's just AP and AD items, and at that point, you don't need to penetrate armor or do a lot of that stuff, yeah. because... Well... Instead, you you want Lethality to ignore what little armor they have. Yes. Yeah. So, so you have to be aware also of the difference between Lethality and... I don't know if it's still called Armor Pen... Yeah. or whatever. So there's a difference between lethality and uh, percent armor pen. It's the same. It's the same thing with uh, with magic penetration. So there's flat mar- magic penetration, and then there's percent magic pen- penetration. So if you're reducing a target's magic resist by a flat number, that is better for lower MR numbers than a, reducing it by a percentage. Yeah, so for example, right, the lower they have, the more effective flat reduction is, right? So the lower they are, flat reduction is more effective at getting closer to zero, right? Whereas if they have a lot, like 300, 
reducing it by 50 isn't going to do a lot, right? So they have 300 instead. You want to penetrate with percentage, right? Because at that point, you know, 30% of 300 is, uh, I don't know, less than 50 still. But <laughs> I guess that's fair. I'm not good at math, but. <laughs> it's 90. It's 90, but that's fine. It's, it's just 90. It's 90. So 30% is more than 50, right? So if you get 30% armor pen versus 50 lethality, right, depending on how much armor your target has, one is more effective than the other. Fair. Like, I'm trying to find an item with, like, flat magic pen. Well, while you do that, Abe had a comment, I think. So, Abe, we wanna, you want to say what you were going to say? Yeah. So Ryan talked about, like, finding opportunities to buy a different starting item. Like, specifically, like, you have your normal path, but there are times when you want to break that. Um, that like 80% correct play versus the 20% of the time when you want to deviate from that. That does segue pretty well into the next thing, because um, that is that is one of the 11 traits of successful gambling. Sorry, real quick, just to, uh, for magic pen, examples of flat magic pen or sor- sorcerer's boots, shoes, gives flat magic pen. Shadow flame. Yeah, well, Shadow Flame is a, yeah, Shadow Flame's a good gift for PC League. Yeah. Void Staff uh, is a good example of... Is percent. Yep. Okay. So, uh, I was just going to say, so so low MR amounts by Sword Shoes, high MR amounts by Void Staff. And then I think uh, Mortal Reminder is also like armor penetration on a AD side of things. Yep. Yeah, because it builds out a Last Whisper. Yep, there's a few different items that do it. So just, you know, if you're interested in those types of things or trying to maximize your builds, looking at what your opponents are building is a great way to figure that out. And honestly, it's one of the only ways. You can optimize your build against a basic idea of AD and AP if you're like a tank or whatever. But if you're somebody who's not building tank items, you really need to optimize what you're building based on not only what the enemy team is building, but how they're doing as well. You shouldn't be building against their 06 character. You should be building against their 60 character. Champion. Champion. Why characters? It's, it's oh. fine. They are characters, technically. Uh, th- there are there are mythics in, in Wild Rift, right? No, they're not. They're no mythics? Okay, never mind. A lot of the mythics are in Wild Rift, like Divine Sunder is in Wild Rift. They're just not called mythics? Yeah. Okay. So so the way that it works in, in Big League is like there's there's tiers of items, right? Mm-hmm. So mythics all have a passive that, that will give extra abilities to your legendary items, and that's the basically the tier down you're only allowed to build one mythic item and then you can have any number of legendaries that you want so like you can build a mythic item that then says all of your legendary items give you an extra you know five percent uh, ability haste or something like that so something to consider is like if you need a lot of armor pen you can build a mythic item that says all of your legendary items give you an extra x amount of armor pen i'm pretty sure i think eclipse gives you armor pen uh, no eclipse gives you lethality does it Builds out of the dagger, so better. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I remember it being weird because it gave you, like, it was really broken for a little bit. Gives you lethality and omnipan. Really? Because it says here that it gives you four percent armor penetration. It says here on the wiki it says eighteen lethality. Is it a difference between Wild Rift and normal PC League? This item doesn't uh, exist in Wild Rift. Gotcha. It says eighteen lethality right here. Oh, you're talking about the passive. Yeah, I'm talking about the passive. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, the empowers each of your other legendary items with 4% armor pen. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. How many legendaries are you allowed to get? One. Four. Or, or sorry, 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 sorry. 
what one mythic as many as many legendaries as you want. Technically, really realistically, you only get four because you get boots. Gotcha. No, no, no. You sell those shit. You sell that shit. Oh my god. <laughs> I have found myself wondering if I need boots with Deadman's Plate, because Deadman's yes. Plate has me zooming across the map. <laughs> yes, you do. E- eventually, you don't. If you're getting to the point where you don't need boots anymore and you're selling your boots because there's... Oh, first of all, you can't do that in Wild Rift because like you can't buy another... You have to buy a boot item in Wild Rift. Yeah, the boots are a reserve slot, you're right. Flame! Yeah, you can't do that in Wild Rift. But if you're getting to the point, you should just F that because the game should never be that long. <laughs> <laughs> also, for what it's worth, I do think the upgraded boots, like, they are always worth it. Like, whether it's a protobelt, whether it's a teleport, whether it's whatever the other... There's all sorts of different things you can do with your boots. You can do stasis. They're absolutely worth it. There's so many different things you can do with boots. It's definitely worth it to have level 3 boots. Also, Deadman's Plate gives you percent movement speed, so... Not having boots makes dead men play it worse. That's a good point. It's a good point, Ryan. You're bringing up very important informations here, and I appreciate you for it. It's not going to stop Antonio, but <laughs> you're bringing up the boots. Well, it wouldn't stop me if I wasn't already priced into just having to have boots. Like, I have literally no other options. I can't just buy another item. Ryan is absolutely correct. So this is just a, another reason you need to play PC League so you can sell your boots. You can just, just save 1,800 gold and not buy a boot item. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, great. All right, let's get to this next topic. Let's stop side railing and let's give Abe his day in the sun. If, if anybody doesn't want to be held down by the man, you can play PC League and sell your boots. Yeah, that's true. So 11 <laughs> traits of successful gamblers uh, is a is it a, a speech? Is it an article? It's an idea that's talked about by Nate Silver. It was a speech that was talked about on another podcast called Limited Resources. Very good podcast about limited Magic the Gathering, if that's something that interests you. Great podcast, check them out. Yes. Um, Very long-lived and for a good reason. Anyway, so recently they talked about the 11 successful traits of gamblers, um, as studied by Nate Silver. Um, And he defined a gambler as a person who manages risk of their own resources. So think someone who is more of an entrepreneur and less of an account manager or a project manager. Um, So a gambler is certainly something that League of Legends attracts um, because you have to make these risky plays. You have to, like, you have to be willing to try stuff. You're constantly making calculations. A lot of these things are going to apply to League of Legends players. Not all of these are going to apply just because you're successful. You can still be successful and not have all these things work, but you will probably see a lot of these in very successful Wild Rift players. So the first is they think probabilistically. This is something that Dave does very well. I can point to him as someone who will frequently say, I think that's unlikely to work, rather than, no, that's not going to work. Next one, uh, outsmarting the system or proving people wrong is attractive to this sort of person. For example, pr- empirically proving why Holebreaker is garbage. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a great example, yeah. Or another thing is you can try and trick people with different traps or ways you can make them feel safe in the game and then prove them wrong by killing them on the spot. Like like telling people Holebreaker is a good item so that when you beat them on the ladder, you have an easier time beating them. <laughs> uh, next one. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, successful gamblers 
care about small edges. Um, you're willing to work very hard for an advantage, no matter how small. And this is exactly what you guys were talking about earlier with like making these very micro choices that have larger impacts in the game. Two notes. Two notes here. Use your fucking wards and use your fucking team boosts. Those are two small edges that you can have over other people. Nope. Wards, yes. Team boost, no. Antonio, use your fucking gold. That's yeah. yes. Gold's a good. Yeah. <laughs> Spend your gold is a good micro optimization. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know, Ryan. Literally every game I play with other people. We're like, all right, got to go spend our gold. Ryan's yelling at us. It's literally <laughs> every game where it's like more than a thousand gold. Better go spend it before Ryan yells at us. <laughs> Dude, my job here is done. <laughs> um, next one, number four. Uh, gamblers are by nature contrarians. If everyone has the same information, then to have an edge, you have to make, quote, wrong or risky plays. Like using Hallbreaker, baby. GG's full circle. Like, like following your team around while, after building Hullbreaker. Seems wrong, because it is. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't just seem wrong. It is wrong. <laughs> I know, like, that's an, important infor- uh, that's an important thing, because as there's more and more information being put out about the game, unsurprisingly, this podcast, as well as a lot of the resources that you guys are referencing here, if everyone has the same information, you have to try something new or, like I said, risky, in order to have situations where you can make an advantage for yourself. It's an interesting uh, uh, concept, right? Because, like, the average player of League of Legends is infinitely better now in Season 12 than they were in Season 2 or 3, right? And a lot of that has to do with, yes, players are becoming more proficient mechanically, right? But just the average level of game knowledge is, is a lot higher, right? So, for example, like, the idea of kiting as an AD carry... That was that hasn't always been common sense in League of Legends, right? That had to be introduced. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to cover that term real quick of kiting, just so in case people don't know what it means. Yeah, kiting just basically means like trying to attack at maximum range as 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 consistently as possible, so that you can maintain distance between you and your target. This is really helpful with champions. You know, like Ash is a really good kiter because she. Uh, apply slows off each of her attacks, right? So it's easier for her to maintain her distance between her and her target. Lucian, another very good kiter. Lucian's a okay kiter. How dare you? <laughs> Senna is a very good kiter. So, yes. like, you know, not only are people more mechanically proficient, but the average game knowledge is a lot higher. Like, like late wave management, right? Like, figuring out, like, how to push your waves and stuff like that. These are things that, like, gold players are talking about now. Whereas, you know, in season one and two, that like those those terms weren't even invented yet, right? Like a, a common term you'll hear if you if you consume a lot of lead content is something called lean priority, right? And what that kind of hopes to like convey is the idea of like, you know, in a lane there's always someone who has the ability to like move and re- yeah, move and respond to events on the map sooner. And they whoever can do that is said to have priority, right? That's a relatively new concept in League. That wasn't introduced until probably a few, like three or four years ago, right? If you go back and you look at casts of League of Legends, they don't talk about land priority like they do now. And so, like, you know, as information increases in the ecosystem, you know, like Abe said, 
you're going to need to be, get more creative with, with with where your edges come from, right? Because, like, you can't have a super secret build that, like, you know, is overpowered because of all the, the, the data clashing goes on. You, like, someone's going to someone's gonna notice and someone else is going to try it and your secret build won't be so secret anymore, right? And so, you know, I feel like this comes up a lot in League where, you know, you get advantages in, in, in trying to do risky plays like going for neutral objectives where it doesn't seem like it would normally make sense to do so, like sneaking a Baron, for example. So I will say, you can draw a pretty interesting parallel between, like, the way League has evolved in that way and the way that Magic has. Uh, in the sense that, like, there's a lot more consumption of data in both games now, so that, like, the quote-unquote, the meta evolves at a much faster rate, and people have access to way more information than they ever have. So things get, things get quote-unquote, solved very, very quickly. The average deck builder is a lot cleverer these days than they were in, you know, the early 2000s, right? And the reason for that is, you know, like Dave said, is like things like Magic Arena caused the, the meta to iterate so rapidly that, like, you know, whereas before it might increment weekly or biweekly or monthly with whatever the latest tournament is, right? You know, now it it it, uh, it iterates daily or hourly, you know, based on what's happening on the ladder in like Magic Arena, for example. You know, whereas before, like, you, you know, you could a turn a deck could win a tournament. Right um, back in the day, and no one would even know. Uh, not everyone had internet access. Not everyone has an internet access, right? But you know, like MTG Goldfish didn't always exist, right? To go find tournament results. Yeah. So, so there's a there ends up being a lot of like perceived stagnation, I think, in a lot of like professional league, where you see a lot of the same champions, a lot of the same team comps, a lot of the same stuff, a lot. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the fault of like teams being uncreative or, or, or anything like that. It's just, like, things just got solved. This is just what's broken. Well, I, I think Alice had a pretty good video on this a, a few week, a couple months ago. Um, I don't know if you saw it, Dave, but, you know, he, he's like, you know, there are a lot of a lot of comfort picks that champions fall back to. I mean, uh, pro players and players in general fall back to. It's because learning new things is hard, <laughs> right? Like, learning an entirely yeah. new champion, right? Like, you know... Oriana's always solid, right? You can always, you can always, if you put a thousand hours into Oriana, you can, you know, you can always pull out Oriana as a pocket pick. Whereas, like, a more meta pick, like, I don't know, like Zoe, for example, right? Like, you know, there's metas where Zoe's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you, you might end up accidentally wasting your time by, you know, preparing, you know, and getting good at Zoe. So I think there's, you know, balances, right? Because I think, you know, some, there's an aspect to the meta being solved, but there's also, you know, only so many hours in a day for people to practice new champions. Yeah, to a degree. Especially to the point where, like, you're comfortable playing them, like, in a professional game. Yeah, for sure. I guess, like, like there definitely was a point uh, in League especially where there was a lot more of this, like, counterpicks that, that came out of nowhere, stuff like that. Like, the MF support thing against Zyra was, like, the last, like, really big example that I can think of. Where it's like, that, that, just, that just came out of nowhere and, like, like won a best of five series. Yeah, I think uh, like team counterpick uh, and like team composition is is a lot more um, is, is what people think of more now rather than like more lane specific counters. Yeah, it's more team comp based than specific champion. For sure, and like that kind of goes back to what Abe said about you know information flowing throughout the system, right? You know, one of the things that attracted people to League in the first place is it's like like solo oriented nature, even though it's a team game like through and through <laughs> right but as you know as information continues to propagate throughout the the ecosystem people learn 
how effective it is to be a good teammate, and right, and they can, they can do better and uh, understand like like the ramifications of their actions and what you know on their teammates and stuff, um, and just be better players overall. So, anyway, back to Abe. Now that he's back. All of this to say, everybody has potential access to all the information, so you should not only have it, you should figure out. Okay, now that I have it, how do I counteract everything I know? Yeah. And so, like, for example, if you, like, you know, it, like, if you're, if you're a pro team and you're, you know, preparing against other pro teams and, you know, you can deduce that the other team, they like to go for Baron at, a, you know, around, you know, 18 minutes or whatever, try and do Baron not at around 18 minutes. <laughs> Before or prevent them from doing it and do it after. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next one. Abe, what you got for us? All right, we left off uh okay. You need to be comfortable taking shots as a gambler. Um, I mean, this is something that's pretty nature, uh, pretty in the nature of a gambler is that you're going to fail pretty frequently, and being able to pick yourself up from that is critical. I think a good example of that is stuff like baseball, where like the most successful batters win like a third of the time. <laughs> and I I have something here as well, you know. I think it's important that we say all this stuff and all these opinions and tactics that like we want people to employ and things that we think will make them better. If you don't believe us, fucking try it. Try the shit we're telling you not to do and find out why we're telling you not to do it. Like it's a great way to learn. Or do it and tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> Come on the podcast and tell us why we're wrong. Yeah. Make mistakes. Provide us video evidence. Whatever you gotta do, but like try like Worst case scenario, it works out differently than we said. Best case scenario, we told you so. <laughs> tell us we're wrong after trying it more than once or twice. No, I think actually, actually, you should just tell us you're, we're wrong without ever having tried it first, and just tell us it's just how you feel. We love that. It's very good. I love that. Feelings as opposed to data, love it. Yeah, we hate that on this podcast. All right, Abe, go. You're up. Unmute, Abe. Alright. Um, you have to be able to make decisions under pressure and be kind of fearless about it. Unsurprisingly, applies pretty well to League, where you yeah. you do have to operate with... Um, like, you're not given full information on the game, so you do have to just make those snap decisions sometimes. Sorry, I think a great example is in, in, in League is vision control, right? <laughs> when you're watching a pro game, for example, uh, the you, you see all the vision, right? Uh, you see vision for both teams. Um, it's easy to forget that each team can only see what, you know, where they have wards or vision. And so a lot of times you have to make calls not knowing where the enemy team is. You're like, they could be here, and if they're here, we're screwed. But if they're not, we win. <laughs> and that perfectly segues into the next one of uh, a gambler works well with incomplete information. You have to be able to, like, put together the rest of the story of what's going on without knowing exactly what's going on where you can know that the jungler was close to mid about five or so seconds ago. So you have like maybe 10 seconds as a top laner to attack that tower. Um, after you've cleared out your enemy champion, for instance, like you have a second to attack it and then get back because you're operating without knowing exactly where the jungler is, but you're able to figure it out. I think uh, Antonio can probably speak to this, but this is a good reason why it's really useful to know where the enemy jungler is starting, as like which camp, right? Because like wherever they're starting, 
like if they're starting uh, red, you know they're going to be passing up towards blue, <laughs> right? And so the the lane that's on blue side probably wants to play a little safer, and the, the 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 laner on the other side can probably play a little bit more aggressive, right? And the jungler can act upon that information too if they know that the enemy team knows where they are, right? Then they can you know do a creative path and wrap around and gank the person that doesn't expect to be ganked because they thought they'd be pathing towards blue, you know? Yeah, I definitely do. I also think that something that's important here is the more games you have, the more experience you're going to have. And so sometimes you're going to have to make a decision in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen regardless of what your next step you take. And you're just going to have to make a decision and kind of go from there. The worst thing you can do in League of Legends is stand still and do nothing. Yeah. I'm personally a bit a big advocate for like failure in the sense that like like as long as you've learned something you can't really it, it can't really be a complete failure right so if you make a decision that doesn't work out the only way you can really lose in that situation is if you learn nothing from it <laughs> so you said you said something that's really important but you didn't say it the way I wanted you to when you said you know something I think is really important is f- and I'm like he's going to say fuck around and find out He's going to say it, but you did in just a scientific way. And so like, really though, we can advocate for the fact that like, sometimes you just have to fuck around and find out what's going to happen. Maybe something good. Maybe you clear that top wave and it crashes on tower and it takes the tower. Or maybe there's three enemy champions up in top lane and they just hit your blue vision plant. And now you're fucked. Your scryer's blue. So yeah. Yeah. Well, so if you're pushing top lane, right. And you don't have any wards, right. And you're all your teammates are back in base and you have no vision of the enemy team, and three of them come out of the fog of war and kill you, and your takeaway is, fucking bullshit enemy team, <laughs> like, fucking bullshit useless teammates, fucking useless junk, like, no. <laughs> no, you're, the correct analysis of that situation is, huh, I probably shouldn't have been the only person visible on my team on the map. <clears throat> I probably should have uh, backed off and played a little safer, right? And I wouldn't have gotten caught out, <laughs> you know? How dare you. Certainly there's a discussion to be had is like, should your teammates have backed when they did? Maybe, whatever, right? It's a team game, right? And even if they shouldn't have, right, you're still going to die because they did, right? And that kind of goes into another tenet of League of Legends and kind of dovetails from what Antonio said is like, doing nothing is basically the worst thing you can do. And so like, if your team makes a call, right, the second worst thing you can do is like, like have a split call, right? If it's the wrong call, everyone needs to make the wrong call together, right? Um, because... Because you'll have a better chance of surviving and or making a good play out of the wrong call. Exactly. Abe and I were actually discussing this recently. If, like, if you, go, if you go in, right? If, like, if you're like, if we go in, we can win this, right? And your team doesn't agree, and you go in alone, you're definitely going to die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to this next one. Yeah. Uh, number eight, focus on process, not results. So this is just about continually making good decisions and continually learning from the ramifications of the bad things that happen even when you make good decisions because it's not always going to go your way. People that are really good at focusing on the process can displace emotions in ways that seem almost unnatural to people where, like, this is something I think I've, I can personally uh, gain a lot of experience in. I let my emotions get the best of me in the moment. Not infrequently. Um. <laughs> I think I'm the best at this personally. I think the real answer here is as far as... Be a sociopath heard. 
No, it's just as far as when it comes to losses or getting wrecked or whatever, I can shake it off and move on to the next one much easier than I think Abe or Ryan. I'm not sure about you, Cleve, but based on your normal story that you just told today, I think I'm the only one that can stay in for 12 games in a row, even if they're all losses. I don't know if that's what this is getting at, but sure. Uh... (laughs) When I say displace emotion, I don't mean not feel emotion. I mean, just don't let it get the best of you in the moment. Please, like, feel your emotions. Don't bottle them up and let it spew on your friends. But having the ability to set that aside until the end of the game when you are then allowed to feel your feelings. Yeah, so, like... That's fair. uh, We mentioned limited resources earlier, where a lot of this comes from. (laughs) They have a little saying on there where they say, like, don't be rotty. Rotty stands for results-oriented thinking, right? And so it's basically saying, like... Don't make your decisions solely based on the outcome, right? Because it, it, it's entirely possible that your thought process was sound and it just didn't work out this time, right? But that doesn't mean you shouldn't make that decision again, right? That's every person that says, but I did more damage. <laughs> I fucking hate those people so much. Or, or people who who, uh, who like look at the top card of their deck after they lose. Um. <laughs> <laughs> or after they mull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, any any of these things. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it doesn't matter what the top card was. It matters what cards were in your hand and how you use them, right? Like, oh, my my flash was one second. Okay. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, it could be that that other player made a really good play, you know, keeping track of your flash timer, and they, they did that on purpose, right? So it doesn't matter that your flash was one second off cooldown because they wouldn't have attacked you if it was off cooldown, you know? And also, like, something worth saying, like, what I was trying to get at earlier is, like, it doesn't matter if you lost the game. If you did the best you could, if you made all the right decisions, if you tried to group with your team, even if they were making wrong decisions, like, if you did your best, you just get off that game and go to the next one. Don't let one loss, ten losses, or any sort of amount of quote-unquote success or failures, or like, don't let that stuff get to you. Just get up, get on to the next one, and eventually you'll find the success you're looking for. I mean... Yes and no, because like if you're if you're going on a ten ten game lose streak, you might just need to stop. <laughs> I will say you can take a break if you need. Like if for your own emotional like state that you need to take a break, like it's okay. It's not even about emotional state. It just might just be like you know you're just not getting it anymore. You know what I mean? Like you like you're just forcing the games to just play them. You know what I mean? That doesn't help anyone. Yeah, you know what. This is a good point. It actually is the last point, so we're gonna spoil it a little early. But like, if you're not having fun, you shouldn't be playing. Yeah, for 100%. Yep. Yep. All right, let's move on, Abe. Yeah. Number nine. The gambler is opportunistic. Specifically, it's best to know where to spend your attention to get the best results. These people are very aware they are not on cruise control. So they are always... um, This goes back to that 80% correct, 20% correct play that I was talking about earlier, where we identified that it's mostly correct to in certain situate, like if you see that your opponent is 80, you purchase your cloth armor so that you can get the best advantage out of the early game against them. But looking for the 20% times when you know, the enemy champion is a D, but a specific other item is better against them in this spot. I think a good example of this kind of concept is, is flipping barons, right? Um, whereas like, there's, there there's comes a point in the game where like both teams are contesting a neutral objective and whoever wins the objective is, is going to win the subsequent fight, right? And 
it's basically like a, a coin flip between the junglers who can who can get the smite, right? And it's like, so you might lose the game even if you get it, but you're definitely going to lose it if you don't get it, right? So you have to try it, right? Um, even if it's a low percentage play. Yeah. Yep, I've been there before. I've been the last person alive on my team, and the enemy team's trying to take Baron, and it's like, well... We're going to die if they get this Baron, but if I try to steal it, we might not lose right away, and we can maybe make a play afterwards. And sometimes you just have to make those, like, best of the, like, worst cases. I think those are, like, 99-1% plays, right? I think there are a lot of plays where it's a lot closer, right? And, like, you can't necessarily say, like... Like 55-45s. Yeah, it's not necessarily clear until it actually happens, like, what what's going to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. I've seen it unfold on like pro stages before where it's like, okay, they have one really fed member of their team, but we have to engage on this objective so we can maybe force a team fight and just hope that we can either target that person down or we can kill enough of their team members to make it worth it. Even as the team that's, you know, down gold or down objectives, turrets, whatever it may be. Yep. Next. Number 10, uh, apply practiced intuition. A gambler understands the difference between thinking fast and thinking slow. That is actually just a book, Thinking Fast and Slow. But just to give a quick breakdown on that idea, there's the fast thinking, where these are the decisions that you've made several times over, and you've got all the mental shortcuts built. You've seen this, you know what's going on, you don't have to really apply your mental energy. But then there's times when you use your slow thought, where even in League of Legends, there's times when you need to, like, make a very calculated decision where you might need to, like, back off from a spot to then make a better decision as opposed to just making the snap a choice that you would have made most of the time. Anyone else got any thoughts? I've been speaking a lot. <laughs> Honestly, my only thoughts are, like, this just comes from experience. So get out there, play some games, think about better ways you can play while in the moment, and then maybe watch some of your film afterwards and see if there's different things you notice that you didn't before that you can improve for next time. But basically, to me, this just says play over and over and over again. Learn how to play your champ. Learn ways that you can either be good at ganking or supporting your team or winning your lane. Whatever advantages you're looking for in your role, like you should be trying to gain those advantages over and over again and getting that experience to figure out like your best plays and your worst plays. Being humble and being open to taking advice is extremely helpful. At least listening to advice and not just shut the fuck up, silver noob, being your initial response every single time. Because holy shit, I get that so much. Do you? Dude, like every single time, like, like what's, God, what's a good example? So not too long ago, they, they basically nerfed the shit out of the AD scaling on Katarina. So basically they're trying to make AD Katarina not viable, but I kept seeing like ARAM Katarina's still, still building AD. So I'm like, I'm trying to like nudge them along, you know, like, like, hey, AD Katarina got nerfed really hard. A AP's a lot better these days. You know, you, may, you might want to try that or whatever. And every single time, they're like, shut up, Silver Nude, I'm gold. I'm like, the fact that you're using your rank to justify your reasoning, both in an ARAM game and at all, simply proves my point that you're shit. But anyway. And we gently touched on the last one earlier, but you have to be in it for the love of the game the best gamblers in the world actually just like flipping cards at each other or whatever it is they are gambling on. And much in the same... 
I would imagine that the best League of Legends players in the world, as much as there is actually a prize for a lot of high value tournaments and as we talked at the beginning of the podcast about just like a bevy of tournaments that are going on. So there is money to be made here, but I'm willing to bet that like 90 X percent of them actually just really like the game. I would argue the percentage is lower and I think it's less the game itself and more the competition. I don't know. I think most of the pro players these days just have a genuine love for the game and the most successful ones certainly do. Like, for example, Faker, who's arguably the most successful player of all time, right? Like, he's been playing for a decade, and he still li- lives and breathes League of Legends, right? Every, all of his free time is spent consuming stuff about the game because he just can't get enough of it, you know? And, like, I don't think that's healthy, right? I think Faker's kind of a psychopath. But, <laughs> like, you know, Michael Jordan was also a psychopath, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying the percentage is not high. I'm just saying I don't think it's that high. I would say anyone who competes at this has to have a love for it at some level. At at some level. But I I think that level could be the competitiveness. Like, I I think a lot of these people, like, a lot of them came from other games, right? Like, didn't, uh, like, Baker played StarCraft before he played League, right? Well, I I think that lends to my argument is that they could play any game, they could be competitive any game, but they do it because they love League. (laughs) Is it because they love League or is it because League is the best competitive outlet? Because they love League. <laughs> like, sure, right, okay. So, so, but there's an argument to be made there as to wh- which one it is. I think is it the best competitive outlet because the best competitive players play it because they love it, or like I, I don't know. I think it's a chicken egg kind of situation. It, it is. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that there's a discussion to be had there because, like, th- th- there are certainly going to be people in both camps. We should just ask Faker. Yeah. No, for sure. Again, he doesn't speak a lot of English because <laughs> he speaks League of Legends. Yeah, like at okay, so like this is this is the two prong thing. You have to love whatever it is you're doing, but also you still have to be competitive. Like that's that's still part of a gambler that was like not it's not one of these bullet points, but I don't think it needs to be said. Like you still have to be competitive in order to like have skin in the game to care about what's going on. Yep. You okay, I don't think that we are capable of choosing what we're passionate about. So to an extent, it's kind of not our choice. I can I can see where you're coming from there. You know, in the same way that we can't choose who we fall in love with. What? <laughs> a lot of the things that we are are molded by our environments and not necessarily have anything to do with what we want. <laughs> like, for example, I think it was Jensen, who's a pro player for Cloud9 now. He wasn't... It just won, by the way. Yeah, he wasn't able to find a, a team last split um, for reasons. And he this is his first split back, and... Uh, they interviewed him last week, and they're like, "What'd you do with the? What'd you do with your time off? You know, the, you know." He's like, "I played League of Legends." <laughs> he's like, "I'm addicted to this shit." Like, pump it right into the bloodstream. <laughs> like Carl Magnuson, I'm sure loves Ma- uh, chess. That's the right guy, right? Magnus Carlson. I, he sounds like a chess guy. Yeah, I like Hikaru loves chess. You know, so hilariously. There's actually, like, one of the random quotes that I know from him is, like, he quoted Bobby Fischer at one point. He's like, I hate chess. Well, no, he, he said that, like, Bobby, like, Bobby Fischer was so good because he was, he was obsessed with chess. Yeah. And just, uh, like, thought about it all the time and was ridiculous at it because he was so obsessed about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, Magnus has been known to say that he, he doesn't have that obsession. Yeah. And, like, he's, 
considered walking away from it and just like going out as you know the best that the dirt was. It's like Kobe Bryant versus almost anyone else in basketball. <laughs> Brian, I'm curious what you were going to say about the apply practiced intuition with the jungle pathing. If you wanted to continue that discussion, sure. What I was going to say is there are a lot of basic paths that you can you can take. Right, you can do you know like your full clear where you just kill all the camps. Right, <laughs> you can do just buff skank. Right, you can do buff some camp skank. Right. I think where applying practice intuition comes in is understanding the ramifications of each of the paths that you take and altering your path based on the situation of the game, right? And so knowing that, like, hey, people at this rank typically expect me to gank around two minutes, right? Maybe try and gank before two minutes or gank after two minutes, you know? Knowing that typically this is the most efficient path, you know, for your champion, but based on the context of the game and the intuition that you built up from having been in situations like in the past, you can deviate from your path to be more effective and less predictable, you know? But you can't do that until you've passed a a bunch of times, you know? And you can't do that until you've cleared the jungle hundreds of times, right? Because until you've done that, you're just trying to figure out how to clear it in the first place, right? Yep. Yep, a hundred percent. And that's exactly what I mean when I'm like, there's 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 no there's no way to path. There's no right way, because like you could start with Krugs, and then you can immediately, depending on your champ, you can double up on Red and Raptors, and then you can go to Blue or you can go to Scuttles. And there's a lot of pathways you can make depending on what the enemy champions are doing. And so, like, even your first decision can influence the rest of like how your game's going to go. I would argue there are right ways to, to path, right? I think you can you can make a, you can clearly define a lot of. Yeah, I'm, and to clarify, I'm talking about like the first few minutes of the game, right? Yeah. Once you're ten minutes in the game, like whatever, it's yeah. you go where the game needs you, right? The most important pathing path is the first like three or four minutes of the game. 100 percent agree. Yeah, and so I think you you can have like quote unquote correct pass in, in that like there there is an optimal path, right? There is a path that is faster than other paths. There's a fat a path that gives you more gold than other paths, right? Like that you can. You can create correct paths, right? The thing is that not every path is correct for every situation, which is, I think, what you're getting at. But I just want to make yes. the distinction, right? No, I think that's 100%. I, I think there's a correct path for every end goal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And But part of that is knowing what, as a jungler, you're trying to accomplish in the game that you're playing. A lot, a lot of, and I think this kind of is goes back to some of the points Abe was making, is like you have to play with intention. You can't just flip the dice, so to speak flip the dice well yeah that's the point right so, so like like if you're if your top lane matchup is really really volatile and you you want to gink that lane to have some influence on it then you want to start bot lane so that you path toward top small like micro decisions like that like like that's a very a very broad example you have to have a plan other than i'm gonna clear my jungle and then kill champions <laughs> all right i i'm good i got nothing else let play the game the way you love it Antonio just snowballs people and hope it's good. Yes, I do. Yep. All right, everybody has to say bye. One, two, three, bye. Are we, are we cutting off now? Bye. Bye. That was the implication, yes. Bye. Oh, we have an after now. Bye. <laughs>